0: Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Well, hello, everybody. Great to see you today. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Jeremiah chapter one. We're starting a new series today and it's called How to Live. How to Live. This series is all about living a life with no regrets. You see, all of us one day, we will face our maker. Every one of us will face God and we'll either hear two things. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Or we'll be filled with regret that we didn't do what God wanted us to do on this earth. I don't know about you, but that that haunts me. That thought that I'm going to face God and give an account for my time on earth is something that sometimes keeps me up at night, if I'm honest. I don't want to get to heaven and regret my time on earth. I don't want to look back and think I'd wish I should have, I could have. Why didn't I? And I feel it's important as a pastor we're able to bring God's word so that you don't face that chance of regretting your time on earth. You know, whenever you talk to someone who's in their last days of their time on earth, they're often filled with regrets. I wish I'd spent more time with my family. You know, I wish I had shared and built more relationships. I wish I didn't spend so much time chasing money. Today, we're going to study God's Word. How do we live a life of no regrets? I believe this is critical for our church. Over the next four weeks, as we unpack this series, based on the book of Jeremiah, I believe it's going to bring a lot of freedom, a lot of hope, and a lot of challenges for all of us. The book is actually based on a, sorry, the the message is actually based on a book by Eugene Peterson. He's the guy that wrote the Message Bible. And you can see in our artwork, we've got some horses hanging in the background because the series was called um, Living Life With No Regrets based on a book, Running With Horses. We're gonna hear that scripture in a moment. But I encourage you to read Jeremiah, uh, stick to all four of the message series that build upon each other over these next four weeks. And one of the quotes that Eugene Peterson says that really kind of sums up this series is this one. God is calling you, to a life of purpose, far beyond what you think yourself capable of living and promises you adequate strength to fulfil your destiny. When I was 12 years old, I was living at Monaval Beach. We had a little fibro two-bedroom house right next to the beach. It was a great place to, to grow up. And I remember lying on my bed at night. I didn't grow up in a church home. I didn't know God but I would look at the stars as I looked out my little bedroom window and I would think to myself, there must be a God. Surely there's a God that created the universe. Surely the oceans and the sand and the beaches just didn't happen by chance. In my little 12 year old mind, I was thinking there must be a God. And if there's a God, He must know me. Surely if He created all this, He must know I'm here. And I remember sort of talking to God in a real strange way as a little 12-year-old. Hey God, you know, I'm here, thinking that He might hear me if if I yelled out. This went on for weeks and weeks and even months as I would just have this questioning and is there a God and is He real? Well, it wasn't long for a few years later, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I discovered there is a God. And this God knows me. And that's the foundation for Jeremiah's understanding and following of Scripture. For the next really 35 years, um, I'd faithfully followed God. And if I sum up my years, it was a life of adventure and battling. Uh, living for God is a life of adventure and battles. At 17, I hitchhiked around Australia, uh, early 20s, traveled through Europe. I spent 15 years in the States, uh, working for the largest church in North America. We started businesses, led churches, raised five children. It's a life of adventure and a life of battling. And that was the life that Jeremiah had. And my goal in this series, is to release the adventure inside of you, to release you into your destiny and your calling, for you to understand there's a God that knows you. But more than that, He has a plan and a purpose for you, that you will go further than you've ever gone with God. You will go further than you've ever gone with your family and friends and even with yourself. The only way to live at our best is, is a radical life of faith. A life of radical faith of God to be stretched out of dull habits, shaken out of petty and trivial busy work. There is more to life than three meals a day and a dry bed to sleep at night. You are going to live courageously or cautiously. I'm calling you out to live your best, to pursue righteousness, to sustain a drive towards obedience and faith. And that's what Jeremiah did. Let's pick up the story of Jeremiah in 570 BC. Um, Jeremiah showed this tremendous display of faithfulness and courage in face of opposition, discouragement and even small results. Jeremiah 1, one. These are the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests of the town of Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. The Lord gave messages to Jeremiah during the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. The Lord's messages continued throughout the reign of King Jehoiakim, Josiah's son until the 11th year of the reign of King Zedekiah, another of Josiah's son. So for 40 years, the word of the Lord, the message of the Lord came to Jeremiah and he had to deliver this word. It didn't change. It was consistent. For 40 years, the word of the Lord was basically to repent and turn to the Lord or you'll be judged. Repent. Turn to the Lord or He'll punish you. He served as God's spokesman to Judah, but when he spoke, no one listened. Consistently and passionately, he urged them to act, but no one moved. He was poor, thrown in prison, into a cistern, spent the night in stocks, was taken to Egypt against his will, rejected by family and friends and neighbours. Throughout his life, he stood alone. In the eyes of the world, he was anything but a success. But in God's eyes, listen to me, church, the only eyes that matter, right? In God's eyes, Jeremiah was one of the most successful people in all of human history. You see, successes measured by God involves obedience and faithfulness, regardless of opposition and personal cost. Let me say that again. Success as measured by God involves obedience and faithfulness regardless of opposition and personal cost. What about you today? If you look at your life, is it one that can be summarized as faithful and obedient? Even in these difficult times, as you're being pushed to and fro with your faith and your decisions, is your life marked by one of obedience and faithfulness to your God. There are three foundations that really helped Jeremiah faithfully serve his Lord for 40 years. We're going to look at these foundations and this is going to build upon our series over the next uh, four weeks. Uh, I believe God wants to do something significant in our church. really build a, a strength to really call his people back to himself, really set us on a path of faithfulness and obedience. We'll find these foundations in verse 4. The Lord gave me this message. This is the Lord giving the message to Jeremiah. And 2,500 years later, I believe God's bringing this message to you, to me, to us as a church. Here's the message. Verse 5. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you. As my prophet to the nations, Jeremiah discovered that God knew him, God chose him, and God gave him. Firstly, God knew him. God knows you. I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Like Jeremiah, God knows you. You know, it's nice when people know us, right? I used to come home from work when my kids were little, I'd open the door and they would just run as fast as they can, five of them, and they would just tackle their dad, right? They would pummel me every day. They were so excited. How wonderful is it when your child first says, Dada or Mama, to be known is so valuable. It's so important to be known by family and friends, to be known in a church where you have brothers and sisters of Christ. Well, how cool is it to be known by someone who's famous or, or, or someone who's wealthy, you know, or someone who, who's a big deal? I remember Bonnie and I were, were camping up at, at this campsite and uh, we were in the, uh, the street at the time and Thor walks down the road and Bonnie like, That's, there's Thor, I don't even know the guy's name, but, you know, Thor, you know. And and so she runs up to him and says, can I take a photo? So she takes a selfie. You know, we're we're so excited when we see someone who's famous. How much more important is it when that famous person would know us? Imagine if they knew our name. If they invited us over for dinner or, or hung out with us, how good would we feel? Think about this for a moment. The God of the universe who created everything knows you, knows you intimately, he knows you. It just blows me away that the Almighty God knows you. He knows me. What's more, He knows intimately. Psalms 139 verse 2, You know when I sit down or when I stand up. You, you know my thoughts. Even when I'm far away. Matthew ten thirty, And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Imagine the hairs on your head now. For some of you, that's not a big deal. Like one, one, you're bald, right? There's not a big count. I'm sorry about that. But for the majority, we've got lots of hair. Imagine God knows the hairs on your head. He knows the thoughts that you think. This reveals that He is interested in you. This reveals that you're important to Him. This reveals that you're unique you're one of a kind, you're special, there's no one else like you. God knows you. I I hope you feel the importance of that. I I hope you know the, 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 the magnitude of that. The Bible makes it clear that every time there's a story of faith, it is completely original. Each life is a fresh canvas on which God uses lines and colours, shades and lights, textures and proportion that He's never used before. You're, you're one of a kind. You're, you're known. You're special. Let that sink into your spirit. You're not just moving along in this great river of just life and just unaccounted for. You're special. You're named. You're one of a kind. It's interesting the mark of a big person is their interest in others. The mark of a small person is their interest in themselves. And God, the biggest of all, the the creator of the universe, is interested in you. It's also a challenge, isn't it, for us to be interested in others. Number one, God knows you. Number two, Jeremiah discovered that God chose you. He knows you. He chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you. He chose you. He didn't choose you because you're great by the way. He chose you because he's great. Jeremiah arouses our passions for a full life. But at the same time, he firmly shuts the door against attempts to achieve it through self-promotion, self-gratification or self-improvement. He chose us, but that's not because we're perfect. He chose us because he's perfect. And we're created in his image. There's this ancient proverb of a girl who goes daily in her village to the river to get water. She would fill the water in clay pots and put them on either side of her with a rod over her back. And she would carry these clay pots all the way back to her village. Well, one of the clay pots had a crack in it. So as she would walk along, the water would actually fall out. And so when she finally got back to her house, one of the clay pots that was broken was only half full. Years and years later, the little clay pot said, why do you bother with me? With full of shame and guilt, the clay pots, I'm broken. You know, why are you using me? And the little girl said, have you ever noticed along one side of the path There are flowers. It's the same side of the path that I walk each day with the little clay pot that's broken. You see, she told the clay pot, each day when I walk back, you water those flowers. For years, I've cut those flowers and filled the house with fragrance and beauty because of you. Isn't that a beautiful story? How God uses our brokenness to do his will he see he's chosen each one of us god constantly chooses to accomplish divine purposes through the agency of human imperfection through our weakness our shortcomings of our clay pots which are our lives uncommonly beautiful things emerge god chose Jeremiah and God has chosen you. But like us, Jeremiah struggled with being chosen. He basically told God, sorry, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. And so often that's what we tell God as well. Jeremiah was 17 years of age and he's got to bring this big message to the nation of Israel, repent, you know, turn or God's going to punish you. And so God responds to Jeremiah in chapter 12, verse five, if you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? Well, what's that all about? God is basically saying, listen, Jeremiah, if you can't do what I'm asking you to do today, how on earth are you going to be able to do what I'm asking you to do tomorrow? You see, the imagery there of being with man and and delivering what God wants him to deliver, the word of the Lord to mankind, uh, if you can't do that with man, how on earth are you going to do what I want you to do in the future, which is run with horses? It's impossible for a man to run with horses. But God was using this imagery. There's something supernatural that comes upon our life when we're obedient and follow His calling, that we can do what we can never do on our own. But it starts when we're obedient today. What does that mean for you? Well, so often we bring these excuses to our God. You know, I can't, I'm no good, I'm not capable, I'm too young, I'm too old, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough time. But God is asking you and He's calling you and He's chosen you to do something unique and special. But God has also chosen all of us like Jeremiah, to share the gospel. And if we struggle to share the gospel with our children, with our friends and our family, how on earth is God going to use us to share the gospel with strangers and workmates that are going to be harder later on down the track? So God is kind of encouraging Jeremiah to say, hey, I want you to be obedient today. I want you to overcome whatever you're facing today. I want you to step out in faith today and I want you to overcome your challenges today because ultimately I want you to run with horses. I want you to do far more than you ever thought possible. I want you to go to a place of faith and a place in life where you could never do in your own strength. But it starts when we're obedient Today, see, so many people think, oh, look, God, when I get the money or when I get the time or, you know, when this happens, then, no, no, God is saying, be obedient today. If you have raced with men on foot and they've worn you out, if you're not succeeding today, if you're overwhelmed with COVID, if you're not not doing well with lockdown, if you're, you're not coping today, how can you compete with horses tomorrow? God knew Jeremiah God chose Jeremiah. And finally, God gave Jeremiah. It's the same for you. God knows you. He chose you and He gave you. Verse five. I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophets to the what? To the the nations. God gave Jeremiah to the nations. Jeremiah could have hung into the dead end street where he was born into in Anioth, which was just a small, tiny village. He could have huddled into the security of his father's priesthood and got a job there at the, at the local temple. He could have conformed to the dull habits of the culture and just gone through life. But God's plan was to give Jeremiah to the nations. Giving is what we were created to do. It is the air into which we were born. It is the action which we were designed for. You simply can't fulfill your destiny by being selfish. You simply cannot achieve the calling on your life to answer God one day when you face Him, to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant, unless we give ourselves away you simply cannot achieve it by hoarding holding on being stingy and selfish giving is what God we were born to do but Jeremiah at 17 again says no to his God but alas Lord, uh, I do not know how to speak you know I'm too young Uh, but the Lord said don't say I'm too young you must go To everyone, I send you and say whatever I command you to. Though Jeremiah's protest was true, he's only 17 years old, it was irrelevant because God had already decided to give Jeremiah to the nations. God has already decided to use you for his kingdom. God has already decided to, to give your time, your talents away for others. And sometimes we can say like, hey, I'm too young. I can't do it. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Or, you know, I'm just a business guy. Or, you know, I don't have enough time. I don't know enough of the Bible. But God has always planned to give you away. The truth is you are inadequate. The truth is you don't have what it takes. But the truth is God wants to give you away anyway. Anyway. God encourages Jeremiah two ways. And I, I want to close with this thought. And I, I believe it's going to encourage us today. There's two symbols that God used to encourage Jeremiah. Firstly, in verse 11, The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see a branch of an almond tree. The almond tree was the first tree to bloom in Palestine after winter. It was a reminder that winter was over and that spring was here. It was a promise. In the same way, God was telling Jeremiah, the promises, the words that I've given to you will come true. When Bonnie and I lived in the US for 15 years in Edmond, Oklahoma, there were these trees called redbuds. And for two weeks of the year, they would bloom in this colourful red-pink colour. The the whole landscape would change colour. You see, in winter, there was snow and all the leaves of the trees would disappear and it would be a real cold, harsh uh, environment. All of a sudden, when spring came for two weeks, these trees would bloom all through our house and in the area we lived in this wooded lot. It would change the colour to these beautiful pinks and reds. And, and, And that's what God is saying is His promises. They're a reminder that God is with us. The promises are a reminder that He'll give us what we need, that we will overcome, that He will deliver us, that He's more than enough. You see, the promises of God are like those almond tree or the red buds. They need to be constantly in our mind. We need to review the promises in our life that keep us on track, that encourage us. We might be in winter, but the promises that God has for us are true and amen. Then a second image of encouragement that the Lord brought to Jeremiah was in verse 13. The word of the Lord came again and said, what do you see? I see a pot that is boiling. I answered, it's tilting towards us from the north. The boiling water represented the armies poised for invasion. Uh, They're about to murder, rape, and pillage. Yet the pot represents God is still in control and limits evil. So when it comes to COVID, we can't be naive about COVID. It must be faced, but we can't be intimidated by it, evil, by it either, because God. Is still in control. He, he, he's the pot that contained the boiling water. That's the image that God is still sovereign. God is still in control. God limits evil. God is still in charge and we can have confidence in His promises and we can have confidence in His sovereignty. I pray that. You today, as you face whatever you faced, and they encouraged Jeremiah to step on the path of adventure as he battled the enemy and battled his own doubts and fears, but he overcame them. Today, I want you to know that you're known, you're chosen, you're given. He knew you, therefore, you're no accident. He chose you, therefore, you're not a zero. He gave you, therefore you cannot be a consumer. Father, I pray in the Name of the Lord that You would encourage us through the life of Jeremiah, that we would realise we are known, we are chosen and we've been given away for the sake of others. God, stir our hearts, encourage us that Your promises are true, that You're sovereign and still in control that You are a God we can trust with our lives, that we wanna live this life of no regrets. We wanna live a life that's worthy of You, full of obedience and faithfulness. We wanna live for You. Still praying today, the only way we can live for God is when we start by surrendering our lives to God. What does that mean? Well, that's the Gospel that Jesus Christ came and died and rose again, lived a perfect life so we could be forgiven because we all know we're born for something greater. We're born for something more. We're not just born for a few meals and have a job and survive and then die. God has a great plan. He has a destiny. We're actually eternal beings. We will go to heaven or we will go to hell based on what we do with Jesus Christ. Furthermore, we will give an account of our time on earth. So. What do you do today if you're far from God? What do you do if like me, you're a 12 year old kid wondering, is there a God? There is a God. He knows you, He loves you, He cares about you. And He's inviting you today to ask Him into your life that you can be forgiven, you can be saved, that you can be set on a path of destiny to fulfil your calling, a life of adventure and battling the enemy and the dark things of this world. If that's you today, the Bible says all you need to do is turn from your ways, call on His name and you'll be forgiven, you'll be saved. And I'd love to pray for you today that you would make that decision, that you would not die and regret your days on earth or what's worth that you would die and spend eternity separated from God in this place called hell. Hell is real, heaven is real. We we wanna see everyone in heaven. We're called to, to give our lives to see people saved from hell, to see them saved into heaven through a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. Close your eyes, turn your heart to God and let's pray, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Saviour. Would you save me? Would you forgive me? Would you be my Lord? Because I want to follow you all the days of my life. I pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen.